0: Thank you for downloading Hebron Oklahoma's podcast. You can find out more about us on our website at hebronok.org. Now, here is our latest episode from the sermon series based on the Acts of the Apostles. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him going to heaven. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. It uh, such a privilege to be with you all this morning, preaching God's Word. And I'm also glad that I see a few more of our church family members here gathering together in this sanctuary for the first time in a long time, it seems. Uh, so praise God for that as well. Um, <clears throat> if your childhood or adult, early adulthood, adulthood was anything like mine, a question that often popped up in our minds before we did something unwise, but something that was relatively fun was, you know, was this. Is, is my choice going to lead to an Adi or a warak from my parents? Um, you know, Warwick is a scolding, uh, but uh, it might be wise not to translate the word Adi. British uh, should know, the, you know, the, the, what that word means. Um, for some of you who are still in that phase, you know, the, all the commandments in the law can be summarized into one thing. Will this lead to an adi or a scolding? Um, often the fear of our parents is the last line of defense to prevent us from getting into trouble. Um, for those of us who are thankfully out of that phase, uh, we know that our moral uh, considerations were simple because our conscience was not fully formed and we were still maturing in the faith. Now many years later, after becoming a parent like myself, you know those roles have reversed. and. I'm starting to see why my parents had to do what they had to do. Um, so nowadays the term God-fearing is not as popular in our lexicon as it was in many years ago. Nowadays when we describe a person who is walking with God, we call them spiritual, you know, or we self-describe ourselves as a spiritual person. After all, why would you want to describe yourself as someone who fears God? What, does God want us to be motivated by fear? And perhaps the term fear of, the term fear of God has been maligned by our childhood experiences of you know, either having a parent not showing that agape love or, or us not showing sincerity in obeying our parents and just insincerely doing what they want us to do because we uh, feared them. But when we look at scripture, this is not the fear of God. The fear of God means having a reverential awe of God's holiness and His sovereignty. And as we will see today, the fear of God also means knowing Him as a loving Father who disciplines us for our good. And this is one of the many reasons the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So in the last two weeks, we've been covering the tragic incident in the early church. The first recorded funerals in the church And as you know, we are in Acts chapter 5 still, and we are talking about the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira. Just to recap the last couple of weeks, we know that, as Peter says in verse 3 of chapter 5, he says, "...their hearts were filled with Satan." So naturally, being filled with Satan, they followed the path of the Father of Lies. And they lied to Peter, they lied to the whole church about the fact that they took back a portion of their contribution... But at the same time, they tried to take credit for giving the whole amount. Peter said, told Ananias, Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to man, but to God. Peter told Sapphire shortly after, Why did you both agree together to test the Spirit of the Lord? So we know what happens. The judgment of God comes suddenly and powerfully, and both of them fall down and die immediately. Sometimes we think Ananias and Sapphira were unbelievers that may have crept in the church and no one had, did, not, did not have any understanding of the gospel or um, maybe were not spirit-filled. But this is the early church that we're talking about. This is, I mean, we've seen many scripture portions which said all of them were filled in the spirit. Or we see the scripture portions where the apostles are teaching them. So they had the best preaching, best teaching. They were per- perhaps experiencing the revival-like experiences on a regular basis. In the language of the author of Hebrews, Ananias and Sapphira could be described of those who tasted the heavenly gift, those who shared in the Holy Spirit, those who tasted the goodness of the Word of God, yet fell away from the faith. What a tragic end it was for those two individuals. Upon hearing and witnessing this, Luke says in Acts 5.11, A great fear came upon the whole church. And upon all who heard these things. A great fear came upon the whole church. In Greek, this term is phobos megas. We don't need a translation for that. We both terms are used in English. A mega fear. A great fear. This is not the first time Luke describes the church experiencing this fear. He says, right after the experience in, in um in Pentecost in Acts chapter two, forty-three. The same word is used, and awe came upon every soul, and phobias came upon, phobos came upon every soul. So this phobos or fear or awe does is, does not come up only when the judgment of God is revealed, but it can also this healthy fear can come even in the middle of a revival, even the greatest revival like the day of Pentecost. And today morning, I want to bring up two observations regarding the growth of the early church. In light of these passages we just read. And first observation is that we see the church growing in the awareness of God's presence. Whether it's on the day of Pentecost or whether it's after the funerals of Ananias and fire. God's hand is being revealed and people are being reminded that he is real. Maybe you and I need a fresh reminder that God's presence is in our midst. Whether you are at home or whether you are here in church this morning. Don't take it lightly that the, God's presence is right there with you. God was watching each one of us, even when you think no one else is watching. In Psalm 139, 7 and 8, it says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I feel, flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. This awareness of God's omniscience, Omnipresence leads to a healthy fear in him because he sees everything. And no one can outrun him and no one can out hide God. And if you are a child of God, it goes even further. The presence of God is not only around you, but God is working in you. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, and so now, not only as in my presence, but also in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Paul is saying, it may have been easier to obey the commandments of Jesus in my presence. Paul may have been saying that to the people in Philippi. But, even so, in my absence, be aware of this. carry that same fear of God in you, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. why? why should you work out your fear your salvation in fear and trembling? because God, the very majestic God who created the heavens and the earth, the very majestic God that that pronounced judgments upon the the, the those enemies of Israel, that very same God is in work in you both to will and And work for His good pleasure. And child of God, don't forget. Again, Almighty God is working inside of you. He is living inside of you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Because your daily sanctification is personally handled and managed by the Lord. Now we can live in a way that pleases everybody else. This is the era of masks. We can wear masks to make everybody f- have the notion that we are doing fine. But do not forget that the presence of God is around you and within you. He is following you. He sees you wherever you go. In your private moments, He is there. He's, he knows what you're saying. He knows what you're looking at. Live your life in a way that, is, that you are aware of the presence of God every moment of your life. Hallelujah. So the first observation, again, is that we see the church growing in the awareness of God's presence. Second, we see that the church is growing in the awareness of God's discipline. The tragedy of Ananias and Sapphira shows, that, shows us that God is ultimately in charge of disciplining his church. And Peter, being filled in the Spirit, knew what was going to happen but God is the one who brings a swift judgment. It's not Peter that is putting them to judgment. It is God. And thanks be to God that we're living in an era of grace. But that doesn't mean that we don't face consequences for our actions. If we are sons and daughters of God the Father, just like our own good parents, He will discipline us for our good. If you could turn with me to Hebrews twelve five through 11. I'm going to read that passage Hebrews twelve five through eleven is a very familiar passage, and it says, "And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him, for the Lord disciplines the one He loves, and chastises every son whom He receives." Verse seven, for it is discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Verse 9. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not more, much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? Verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. And verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In these six verses or so, what do we see is the purpose of God's discipline. Verse 7 says, God is treating us as His sons and daughters. The Lord only disciplines whom He loves. Verse 8 says that, If we are left without being disciplined, we are illegitimate children. Verse 10 says, Through discipline, we share in His holiness. And verse 11 says, Through discipline, we can yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So the ultimate goal of Discipline is to prepare us for eternity. Yes, it will help us also to live a life of humility and a life in reverence, but the actual purpose is that when we are before the judgment seat of Christ, we are founded in tried and true. And, you know, even though this is very painful for me to say, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience and my own personal convictions, I mean, I thank God for every moment of discipline He has bought in my life, whether it was through painful losses or through unanswered prayers, through the many answers of no in my life, because it has brought me closer to God and it has humbled me. It has made me more understanding of others who are going through suffering, and less judgmental when others go through trials. And I want to say also that not every sad and unfortunate circumstance should be interpreted as God's discipline. For example, I don't have any business telling somebody else that what they're going through is, a, is, a, is for the purpose of being disciplined. because I cannot say that because I don't know the heart of the person and I don't know, I'm not God. And we also know from Jesus' own response to the disciples' questions, especially in regards to the blind man who was born from birth, uh, blind. Jesus said that, that the suffering happened, that blindness came because the works of God may be displayed when that person is healed. Also, some circumstances happen for the glory of God. Like the reason why Jesus delayed in going to Lazarus' house to raise him from the dead. Jesus allowed Lazarus to die so that God may be glorified. And some circumstances happen because we are in a broken world. Jesus said that in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So, while as we live this world, we're going to encounter trouble... And some of it will be for the purpose of discipline, not everything. The answer why something bad is happening to us is the hardest question to answer. And this is the question that we should individually take to God. Like a good father, God himself will reveal the reason to you. Or he might just give you a joy and peace and, and, and give you assurance that he loves you. And he's keeping you in the palm of his hands. And as the worship team comes up, I just I also want to recap. So we're seeing the, the early church growing in the fear of the Lord and being more aware of God's presence in them and around them. And they're also seeing God's discipline at work in the church. So the next few moments we have, let us take a moment and remind ourselves of God's presence in our life. Yes, God may be silent at times. And yes, God cannot be seen with our human eyes, but God is still there. Sometimes we forget that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Be reminded by this truth that God, the Holy Spirit, is partnering with us in this very moment to make us more like Jesus. If you are a believer in Christ, this is the basic truth, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as we read earlier, Let us work out this salvation with fear and trembling because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be casual or laid back or lackadaisical about this. We have to actively work out our salvation because God is at work in us. Sometimes we forget that we have been bought by God. God the Son shed His blood on the cross for us and He bought us at a price. God's justice and holiness demanded blood to be shed for our sin. And God in His love came down and He fulfilled His own holy demand Himself because He knew that we could never satisfy His holy demands. We belong to Jesus by the purchase of His blood. Hallelujah. Never forget the holiness of God. and Be in fear and trembling knowing that it was the Holy Son of God who took upon the sins of humanity on Himself on our behalf. And lastly, never forget that we have a Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. God the Father so loved us that He sent His only begotten Son, whom He beloved. He sent His beloved Holy Spirit to us. We are His beloved children. The Spirit of God tells us in our spirit that it gives us a cry of, Abba, Father. We are the children of a Heavenly Father. And like every good father, he will discipline us for our good. And even in the midst of that discipline, know this fully well, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. There's a purpose behind every moment in our life. So what more do we need than God himself? Hallelujah. What more do we need than his presence? Let us humble ourselves. Come in holy fear and reverence before him. Let us ask for more of him in our life. May God bless you with these words.